Welcome back to System and Distribute, the podcast where we have no idea what we're doing at any given moment. This is Brent. I do know what I'm doing. Uh, no, he does not, and I'm Peyton. Jathan, what are you doing? Your mom. <laughs> oh, <laughs> burn. Got him. All right. To be fair, I, I walked absolutely into that one. That was that was good. That was good. That was actually... Kind of like I just walked into your mom. mom. Nah, that was a little weaker. That was a little weaker. So tonight we're talking primarily about basically documenting your systems, and we kind of touched upon this in the past, but we want to kind of explore that in greater detail tonight, specifically, probably with a high emphasis on diagramming. I think that would be really useful because, you know, as systems get more and more complex, we don't really have a quick reference, and we all know that sea levels love the shiny. So well, they love shiny. They're like squirrels. Yes. Not exactly where I was going with that. They just, they like visual representations of things rather than text. So this is a good way to get that to them. But we'll we'll talk more about that when we get into it. Does anyone have anything that they need to bring up before we get into this proper and start talking about what we're drinking? So I would actually like to reiterate that last week. Oh my, gosh. Uh, just, uh, just hold on. I don't want to like yeah. rehash. I just, last week, some of my arguments might have been a little... Not exactly what I was looking for. Two weeks ago, sure. Last recording, we'll call it that. Mm -hmm. We're not exactly what I was going for. I used language that I was not intending to use in the matter I was intending to use it. Like, I I was trying to... Well, whatever. It was not my finest moment as far as making my point. I will also say that as far as interpersonal communications between, like, people on a team, you absolutely don't need to hold people's hand or talk to them in a certain manner. Like... You know, I do kind of agree with Brent in that, in that, you know, pussyfooting around and like being nice to someone, if you just want to get an answer from somebody is completely and totally 100%, you know, out of the realm of, of ideal. However, yeah. if you are dealing with another team, I feel like you do need to use soft skills. And that's my argument. And that's where I'm going to go. With. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm more uh, conducive to say that, but I mean, that's, that's why I did frame it specifically about operations. Correct. And guys, Correct. we, did we have, <laughs> I've already gotten. Yep, two pieces of hate and one piece of praise on this. Uh, yeah, I, saw the, I saw the hate. Yeah. I saw the hate on the com- on the actual episode. Uh, the page. comment. Yeah, yeah. that guy was. <laughs> uh, what did he call me? Patton. 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 And then he called Jathan. Jathan. I mean, I. But it's in the show notes. It's like I don't understand how you can misspell someone's name when it's literally like four inches above what you're sure you're typing. But I'm okay being compared to a very famous World War II general. That's fine with me. Oh, the general. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but he didn't even spell it right for that. You know. I mean, oh, it's it's one T. No, Patton is two T. The general. Oh, I, I thought it used two. But it's T's. with an E, isn't no. it? Oh no, no, I, I don't no, believe I thought so. It was with an O. <laughs> Anyways, oh, you're right. It's it's Patton with two T's and an O. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Google, so, for filling in Patton Oswalt when I look up Patton. <laughs> fucking st- spelled piece the same of way though. Shit. You're on a list. Jesus Christ. You're on a list. Fucking for, stupid. For looking shit. up a comedian, J. Google. He's on a list for that? Jadon's on a list of people who's going to get beat up. Okay. Yeah, so there was that guy, and then I, I wrote a very lengthy reply. You did. And then there you was the one guy on, on Twitter who I saw that one too. called me a sociopath. And I'm like, no, sociopaths would be doing the exact opposite of what I'm suggesting. But, right. you know, I mean, have fun with that. Well, but I think he was mostly tongue-in-cheek about it. I, I don't know. He's He was hard to read, but... I will say that I think that a lot of people might have also misconstrued the way Jathan and I were talking to you 
and I also want to admit that I was not trying to insult you. Like somehow, some way, no, it became like a blame game or whatever. And I just I don't want like that to to people think that we resent you. I mean, Jayton well, might because he's kind of a tool bag, <laughs> but I know I don't Sometimes. personally. And I do know that I can count on you. To, like if I if I postulate a theory about something, you bring yeah. back not just things supporting it, but also things like against it too. Like you find mm-hmm. information and you drop it, and it's like okay, mic drop, you know, walk away. Like, things are exploding behind you as you walk away. Like, you're so cool, you don't even look at the explosions kind of thing, you know? And I'm not kissing your ass here, but there are some times where, you know, like I did say, like, sometimes you are a little quick to jump on Jaython, but that's because he doesn't read the the, the manual, so... It's a pattern, yeah. It's right, it's a pattern. pattern it's, not... it's not that you did it the first time you did it, it's that it's every single time now, since then, he has not, years. and... Right, exactly. And so you're years? at the end of your rope with that, as far as that's concerned. How that's long have I known you, Jaython? Decade yeah. and a half? It's been a long probably, time. Probably a decade it's, it's and a half. It's, 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 it's been a long time. A week is Going too back long. to Gen 2, back so, when we both you know. used Gen 2. Mm. I wouldn't back when we were both using Ubuntu, I think, right? Oh my god. Before Gen 2? Ubuntu. It was, a lo- it was a long time ago. Well, we met through um, the... Ubuntu, Ubuntu USPA. USPA. Yeah. yeah, the Loco channel. I, is that still around? Yeah. The, uh... Uh, rest in peace, Ubatu. Or Ubatu. What was it? U- Penbot. Pen, Penbot and Penbutt. Yeah, well, I think that was pen, the first. Penbutt was in a different channel. I thought I brought Penbutt into. What was the bot that I made fight with Penbot? Queen Bee or some shit. Oh, that no, I no, I I brought in a bot to fight with Queen Bee. Whatever. Anyways, why are we having bot fights? What kind of fucking nerd <laughs> this are you? This was years ago. I was. I wanted to see if I could do it. I wanted to see if there was any kind of prote- protection against that. I think that might have been a plug in the plug IRC chat. Anyways, moving on. That was, that Do you remember that time ago. when Sisbot blatantly fucking defied me? Which you mean every time? Every time that you've talked, he defies you? And then you? he just started spewing slurs and yelling about cops. Um, <laughs> no, 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 We no, made no. it do that. No, no, Jathan made it do that. That's true, he did. No, he it really was did. fucking Forge. No, I'll link, I'll link to it. I specifically have a static page on the website for this. I mean, every time I read it, I laugh. Yeah, it's still funny. Yeah, I mean, it's still funny. That day, I was I was a student still working oh, yeah. as a student systems administrator, and one of my coworkers just straight up fucking <laughs> stands up, grabs his pack of cigarettes, and is like, "Jesus Christ, I hate it here. Why don't you just shut the fuck up already?" <laughs> wow. Uh, really? Yeah, he was really mad because I mean, I laughed did for you, like an hour probably. Did you? It was like a very <laughs> serious giggle fit. Did you use your soft skills, Jason? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, you know, he was somebody who, if he wanted a cigarette, you'd just let him go have a yeah, cigarette. Yeah, right. Yeah, so, but then there was that one guy who, you know, felt solidary with what I was saying. I'm like, you know, whatever, if you disagree, agree, whatever. I, I expected hate. I didn't expect anyone to agree with me. So that was surprising. But, yeah, so we got a little bit of feedback on the past episode, and I expect we're still going to get some feedback, because this episode won't even drop for another two weeks from recording. Or yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think so. the, the best thing we can say is just, like, look, guys, you know, it was a discussion. You know, Brent is not yeah. a bad guy, as far as this is concerned. I mean, you know... Yeah, he's like, a bad guy for a cut, cut him, Cut him some <laughs> slack. Like, you know, listen to the episode, listen to what he actually says, and then we can go from there. Like, we are open to discourse was... on this as well, too. And by all yeah. means, if you want to have another episode of us talking about this, I mean, please, you know, give us some arguments that would, would help your position. But don't just come at us with, oh, you suck, you're a fucking sociopath, fuck you. You know, like, that doesn't do <laughs> Dude, shit Dude, I laughed. Us. I thought it was well, hilarious. Yeah, it was hilarious. Yeah, so, 
I don't know. I don't want to spend too much time talking about no, previous I, I episode because we've got want our to, own topic this episode. Right. I just wanted to bring that but, up and like, you know. Oh, dude, it's whatever. Like, I didn't. I personally wasn't offended by what either you or Jathan. Jathan's just always got a stick up his, up his ass. He does. And then you, you know, I mean, you're just in the moment. So I get it. Like, I'm not, I didn't take it personally. That's good. I didn't think you it was not. It was not intended to be. But I, I was using your language as an example of sure. the one guy who left sure. the comment. And I was like, how? I like, are you sure about this? You know, like. Yeah, fucking Patton. <laughs> Patton. Fuck Patton. Patton and, and Jathan. Jathan. Patton, Patches, it's all the same. <laughs> Fuck you, Jathan. Oh, man. Fuck you, Jathan. Cool. So, what are y'all drinking? Go ahead, Jathan. Yeah. You're first. If you don't go first, yeah, you bitch about right. it like a little whiner, so. And give us give us some high energy. Jay yeah, Tone. yeah. Come on. Let's woo here. Woo-hoo. It'll make it feel- I'm drinking Coors Banquet. Coors, Coors Banquet? Banquet? Wow. Really? Is that that's yeah. a thing? What wow. is it? Coors Banquet. What do you mean? What it, Like Coors Heavy, original Coors. They call it Coors Banquet now? That's what it's always been called. I thought it was just called Coors. Coors? Yeah, Coors whatever. Banquet. Okay. Okay. That's what I'm drinking. You know what? I, I got I got this. Okay, here. The thing about this is... What's the matter, buddy? You okay? He's, the he's uh, I, I have recently... I have a Yeti that I drink my coffee out of at work because it keeps it warm, like, all the way from, like, 9 a.m. to, like, keeps it really warm. What, your microphone? N- no. He's got a coffee no, no. cup. It's, it's actually we actually know. got Yetis that have our a company name on them, and they're actually really cool. Yeah, they, cool. they keep stuff I want cold. Mm. I'll good. send you they're one really if you good. want. Okay, Tom. No, that's all right. I got a spare here. Oh. Yeah, send me one. Okay, send me one. Give me your address. What is it? But anyway, one, two, three, four, any town. Oh, but not on air. Yeah. That's the one. So anyway, so that's I I had one at work for a while now that I put my coffee in every day. Yep. You know it's kind of nasty because I don't really. Oh I my just god! Rinse it out clean quick. that shit, it's, you fuck. No, what the hell? It's just my coffee. I don't oh care. Oh my god! But anyway, I got a guy at work who does that shit. That shit's nasty. Finally decided that I was going to right. If not, finally decided yes. that Every I was going to get one, a second one for at home. Okay. Because like on the weekends when I go fishing and shit, it'd be nice to take some coffee or whatever. But what I've started doing is in the evenings, I drink my fucking beer out of it. And if you ever, like, leave your beer, walk away for a while, and you come back and it's warm, not in a Yeti, my oh, yeah. friend. Oh, yeah, no, no, the Yeti cold. is nice as far as, like, beer drinking is concerned. Does it go Anything... flat? No. How, how's no, it no, good at... No, no, I mean, no. I didn't say leave it for 12 hours. Oh, sure. Yeah. But, like, how good is it at keeping in the, Great. the carbonation? It excels, dude. It's fantastic. Really? Yeah, it's good. Huh. Yeah. Because I've got, like, I mean, when you get down to it, events, like, all of those vacuum insulated shit they're all the same right no uh no the yeah. yetis are the yetis are really good they really are they're superior they're, they are, no, they, are I, they are superior absolutely a thousand if percent I, if i you don't have I one you don't you, know shh, just shh. if <laughs> if we if we tested this with a blind test sure where we kept ice water sure. in, in a generic sure vacuum i've done that and it double vacuum work. shit the yeti does absolutely and then we thousand percent and then i poured a glass of water for you out of the yeti you would not be able to I would, tell I would know immediately which one was the Yeti. <laughs> I think you both are full of shit. <laughs> I, would, I would know immediately. I'm, yeah, I'm a Yeti connoisseur. I have two now. You don't need to buy me one. I have plenty. I'm I, not going to buy you tested one. Multiple... I'm going to send Jathan a spare one that I have. Okay, I, I'm saying I've, I've tested multiple vacuums because I have a bunch of them. And they all, they, they're all the same thing. Sure, you could say that. but I, I, I bet you a ton incorrect. of them are even just rebrandings of the same I mean, that's possible. So... That's possible. Okay, well, you know what? If you want to be a little fucking he does. Bitch, go he ahead. Be a little bitch. Fight him on it. <laughs> oh, for peace. Fight him sake. on it. Fight. Stupid fight. Fight. See shit. you at three. I don't know why you're 
after school, <laughs> bitches. No, Jason, we can fix this with science. I thought yeah. you were a scientist. Yeah, aren't you a scientist? You're I a used doctor to be. Scientist? I gave it up for Lent. <laughs> you gave it up for Lent. It's over, dude. It's been over for a long time. <laughs> it's been over for a long time. Can you give up something you don't have? Uh, can you kill that which is already dead? Uh, can you... <laughs> can you see I mean, the we'll find out when I kill wind? Brent, because he's definitely dead inside. Stupid old fucking you, bitch. See, I don't know if I'm cor- dead inside. Blue Corn Moon? I don't know how the song goes. <laughs> uh, corn Moon. I th- blue blue corn, corn Moon. That's what I said, Blue Corn Moon. Oh, I thought you said Blue Core. Blue Corn but Moon. To be fair, like it's hard to tell, because it's like... I mumble. Blue Corn? Really? Blue Corn? Why would it be a Blue Corn? What's a Blue Corn Moon, afraid- after all? It's referring to the flower of you? blue corn. All right. Well, anyway, color. I'm drinking PBR tonight. I got okay. a 12-pack of PBR. I'm going to try to polish off as much as I oh, can. Probably won't get the whole thing, but I'll do most of it. Taking me back to Louisiana, back when I did the, the PBR thing all the time. Are you uh, taking back to some dueling banjos? Never dueled banjos, no. You never, you never dueled banjos? No, I was huh? a claw hammer. I did play a banjo, but I was a claw hammer, not a, a picker. Oh, yeah, different style of music. More, sure, more sure, 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 sure. I was referring country. to the uh, terrible movie with uh, Ned Beatty and uh, Deliverance. Yes, yeah. There you go. Yeah, I think the tune was specifically written for Deliverance. A little uh, sodomy there for you too, Jayton's yeah, favorite pastime. Right. <laughs> yeah, actually, <laughs> don't funny actually, with uh, what's his face? Freaking um, oh God, he plays Kenzie in Stargate. I can't draw a blank on who he oh. is, but he actually played that like he legit played that he's a banjo player oh i oh th- um, okay wait the guy playing the no 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 no. he was playing a guitar in the movie no they were both the they were both part. playing banjos absolutely look it back i'm look it back I'm, he was playing a guitar ronnie cox and i'm gonna i'll pull it up right the fuck now mm-hmm. all right who cares i care he i cares fucking now. care I so while care. he's doing that i'm gonna talk about what i'm drinking i am back something shitty no doubt no i'm black on that cracking Wow, I'm back on that black Kraken rum. That Somebody's black fucking rum. back on that whack Kraken. <laughs> Kraken got him fucking whacking. It's a Kraken. His meat. It's a Kraken good time. While he records a podcast. Back cra- Why do you sound like you are recording like underneath a Tupperware container? I decided to go in the pantry and get inside my Tupperware. <laughs> for science. For because Lent's over. <laughs> oh apparently. You know, there's no apparently about it. I thought it's it's over. I mean, the the song is actually called. <laughs> While I am a doctor and a scientist, dueling banjos. I am not. This song is so. called dueling banjos. Yes, right. but in the movie, there is a banjo and a guitar. Why they went with a? Oh, no, no, no. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's two banjos. I'm pretty though. sure it's two banjos too. Nope. I'm sitting here. Look I'm, it up. I'm looking. I'm looking. Just give me look a minute. It up. You guys talk amongst yourselves. I'll look it up. Talk amongst yourselves. Mm-hmm. Coffee talk. Coffee talk. I can't tell if my new glasses are crooked or if it's my your face. Your face is definitely it's crooked. It's your face. A thousand percent. <laughs> the fact that both of us said that right away. <laughs> to, be, <laughs> to be fair, most human faces are crooked to some degree. Yeah, but like, all right, here, I'll, I'll send you guys a picture right now. We know what your face looks we, like. We do. We know what your face looks like. Yeah, but And even then, it's probably not your face. It's probably your ears. And our ears okay, are crooked, so... so we get better positional audio. They're not as drastic of a... Disposition is that a train as an owl's ears? Yes, it's a, probably it's a train. It's not as as drastic of a, a disposition as oh, an shit. owl's ears. Oh shit! Oh fucking shit! What? It does look like a guitar in there. God damn it! Absolutely a guitar. Thank you. Yeah. God damn. He was hired for the role because I haven't he could even play the seen the whole so, thing. So. Yeah, yeah the best no, parts of the sure. movie really are the the dueling banjo scene. That's pretty much it. Yeah. All right, here I'm sending you guys a couple of pictures from different angles and shit. Okay, I'm Why? gonna print mine Why out you... and not all over it and then send it back to you. 
Are, is just this... put it in the Yeti when you send Jeff, it. Do you do you want? Okay. Guys, do you Jeff, make sure you, you clean it off the... first before you drink? From <laughs> do you want me to put the photos in the show notes? Yes. No. Absolutely. Oh, Definitely not. Absolutely. All right. Your reaction he has, has me worried. Yes. About what? They oh my are. god. Yes, please. I, I think I, I should make that a rule. If you send me a photo during recording, it is uh, going in the show notes. You look goofy as fuck. I just have to say. All right, we're we're That's looking rude. here. <laughs> if you want a picture for the show notes, I'll take one. No, I don't. They are these all the same photo? Why are you? They're different. How are they different? I mean, the last one looks different, but the first two look the same to me. Yeah, they. The, well, the third one is like blurrier or whatever. Uh, it, it looks like he's looking in a different direction, but yet. See, my whole. I think my whole head's kind of fucked up. Everyone's head's fucked up, but yeah, your your ears are off center. Everyone's is. Otherwise, we wouldn't have good positional So what do I do? Surgery. Get your ears, remove one ear, and and move it up about, you know, a centimeter or two, and then reattach (laughs) it. We haven't talked about anything yet, and we're at 20 minutes. I know. Guys, I'm so sorry for our listeners. It's all right. They'll be fine. They'll be fine. (laughs) We're practicing Brent's soft skills. No, we're not. This is is Um, bullshit. I do think, though... What we are doing... I do think the fans don't really like the banter, though. I really, you know... That is overwhelmingly what they do say. Of all of the feedback they, we've gotten, it's usually they like the banter. But this isn't—I don't know. This is boring more. banter. We're talking about no. Jayton having crooked ears. That, do you think my ears are crooked? Do the, gl- do the glasses ears look are crooked. crooked? I just oh, said that. Oh my god! I Peyton, do the glasses look? Crooked? They look. Oh they look perfectly level to me. If you didn't say anything, I wouldn't have noticed it. It's fine. Right. Like I didn't notice. I mean, your face already looks weird to me anyway, but I didn't notice. <laughs> so, lesson learned. I said Just it to don't Beaches. We'll see what he oh says. Oh my gosh. Beaches is going to have no context for that. Beaches, I'm so He will so when sorry. he listens to this. I don't think he listens to us. So Yeah, he does. Beaches I don't think he does. Oh, by the way, I lost Dude, the game. He knew. He, he tweeted at me after my shout the out. Game. Like an episode I've lost the game. Uh, also, shout out to number one fan, uh, A Mayor. Congratulations. Uh, you're the number one fan. Tech Stewart, best guy I ever met. <laughs> and that's all our fans. We just shouted that's out to not all, of our, all fans. our fans. Oh, Clams Maloney. I. <laughs> okay, so we talked about what we were drinking. Peyton. Yes. Do you have a tip for us? I have an intermittent tip. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. What is all right? What is so the tip? we're going to be talking about. about uh, my tip is uh, it could actually be a little bit bigger this time. It's uh, it's kind of a. <laughs> oh my god. It's kind of a kind of an important tip. Like it's uh, something that uh, every good sysadmin should be familiar with. It's the Etsy Scale mm-hmm. directory. Okay. Yeah. So to put it lightly, Etsy Scale ensures all new users on your systems get the same initial settings. So it does things like creates a home directory. Default home directory. Man. Oh my god, are you gonna let me talk or should you do it? <laughs> go ahead, Jay Talk. Well, it doesn't it's your create turn, a home directory. By all means. User go, no, does go ahead. That. Are you no, done? No. I'm done until the are next you time done? I want to correct. Oh my gosh. Fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. All right. So, Just get on with um, hey, but send me that yeti. Oh my god. So, <laughs> Etsy Scale allows a system administrator to create a default home directory. So, it's either on a computer or a network, what have you. It includes things like the bash profile, the bash RC, mm-hmm. bash logout, directory colors, input RC, and vimrc. Not always, but sometimes. You can change the Etsy Scale to have certain things in there. Like if you want to have links to, or not links to, um, network-mounted shares, or if you want to have every user have a, a specific file, you can put that in your Scale, your Etsy Scale, and it allows you to customize and have a proper home directory for all of your users. 
it's only administrated by a root user, so it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it, the rights to it are 755. Yep. And it's just a really neat little system that you can use to really customize and allow your users to have all the same things. Like if you want to affect bash lockout, you just put it in Etsy Scale. When someone logs in, they get the, or when they create it, I guess, uh, you get the new version. Right. Or what have you, and then uh, you go from there. You know what's really useful with that? Mm-hmm. SSH pub key. Yeah. Authorized absolutely. keys. Absolutely. Yep. yep absolutely. And then you can take it one step further. If you want to have a generic set. Yeah. Well, I mean, say you have like a, an admin that wants to have SSH access to all users. Sure, sure. There you go. Sure, sure. There you go. And absolutely. more entrance, interestingly, since they all initialize from the same bash RC, essentially, mm-hmm. you know, tilde slash dot bash RC. Yep. You can write some simple scripting in there to check Correct. if SSH private keys have been generated. And if not, generate them on first login. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a couple of ways to handle all these things. Yeah. Right. But we're not, you know, like we're not this, talking about the way to do that. We're talking about the IC scale directory itself. Right. Yeah, I know. But I'm just saying like, <laughs> I know, I'm just kidding. In my opinion, a lot of the functions of Etsy scale have been obsoleted by configuration management. Because yeah. you can so easily create a user and then do those things afterwards sure. by way of your... I'd agree, but it does let you more easily do host-specific things. Right, exactly. Yes. Which right. configuration management admittedly gets a little convoluted, usually. I mean, mm-hmm. all of them do. I mean, that's just not the purpose of them. Cattle, well, you're right. The whole point is to have. do things that are the same. Right, right. So this is a handy way of doing host-specific stuff. Now, you know, right. obviously, like... And it also obviously doesn't require turning up an entire config management. But mm-hmm. I think all three of us would say it's better to have config management than not. Sure, so. sure. But this is an easy way of making sure that, you know, when you create a new user, it has the things you want it to have. Like you said, a, mm-hmm. a pub key that allows you a system administrator to access a user, etc. Like it allows you to do these things from the get-go as opposed to, oh, we're just now tooling up, right? you know, Right. Change now, manage- configuration management, etc. It is worth mentioning that it is not idempotent. In other words, if you add a new file to Etsy scale, for instance. Right. It doesn't push out. You it, Right. Yeah. It doesn't automatically update existing users. It's only for new users. Correct. So, yeah. So, as Jathan did hint to, configuration management is sometimes worth it if you need that consistency. But if you're trying to offload some functions off of it, you know, that can definitely help. If you need a task that runs only when they log in or if it's a you know it's it's also great for workstations you know it lets you easily set up a standard kind of and then what you can do is with config management you can just manage the etsy scale you know so like you've got some options but again it's a pain in the ass to go back and update if you make any changes to that so yeah, whatever yeah so that was was that your tip yeah that was my was tip it? that was my intermittent membranous tip quick <laughs> okay Great. Now, are you guys are you guys ready to talk about documenting systems and networks? Yeah. Yeah. How I, I was gonna say how many of you, but there's only three of us, so that seems a little silly. Have either of you mm-hmm. had any sort of documentation in place or or have any documentation in place for either system roles, things like that, with, with maps or with uh, on a larger scale with networks and things like that? Okay, yes. so I need to qualify this a couple of different ways. At home, mm-hmm. yes. At work, yes. My stuff at home is... Well, hold on. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm getting to it. My stuff yeah. at home is different than my stuff at work. I think. I would I hope think, so. Well, yeah. Sure, sure. I think Jay thought I mentioned Giphy mm-hmm. earlier. Giphy. That is something I've used to create network maps, but at work, we're not allowed to have certain things on like a map. 
So we have to mm. make sure that anything we create does not have some information on it or what have you. So instead of having like maps of the network, we have information about how to access certain things. Mm. We use a different number, a different number of things to create a documentation trail of like how to do something, a specific item or whatever. Got it. So it's it's not mapped out. It's it's more textual. Correct. 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 Word. Correct. I see. Wonder. I wonder why they just don't assign code names to things and then just have external supporting reference. That's. I don't know. Well, we logged into Patton the other day. <laughs> so I. What's that's, with the that's actually really funny that you talk about that because I read somewhere that having unique names for things, while it may help you, if someone comes along afterwards, they will have no idea what Sauron is versus like what enterprises you know like having sure. unique names for servers is fine and dandy if you're the one doing it forever but as soon as you leave joe blow number two is has no clue what enterprise versus stargate command what is, they do you know? right yeah no no, oh, no yeah i, I mean to, to be yeah i mean like my personal infrastructure is named after fucking italian desserts sure i mean mm -hmm. I, and, and i'm the same way i mean I, like i use and... i use star wars and i use names from star wars like planets or servers etc but yeah, I also yeah. know that that is for me it. You know, like that's my yeah, name. Yeah, right. And, and right. So at work, I try to be a little bit more reasonable sure. about how I name things. Sure. But at the same time, a lot of our infrastructure, uh, I don't know if I should disclose this necessarily, <laughs> but I mean, a lot of these things are public enough. Mm. To be completely honest, our islands. Mm -hmm. And when I first got there, it was like, why did you name them after islands? Like, I have no idea what this machine does. What the fuck? Yeah. Right. Yeah, uh, whereas, you know, especially some of them do have, like, a distinct, like, a fucking DNS server just named after a random island is, like, hmm. Yeah, so, and you're both hinting at one of the key problems with host names and, and labeling systems, mm -hmm. is typically we find something that's easy and fun to remember, but at the cost of lack of clarity and a very finite naming space, a very yeah. finite namespace. Right. You're going to, uh, potentially run out of names of islands and there aren't right. really too many new islands being created and you're going to run out of at some point star wars <laughs> theoretically star wars planets canonical yeah exactly right. exactly planets as right. star wars so and don't get me wrong like the star wars there's probably more planets in star wars than there are islands on the earth sure it's a huge canon. sure 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 but it's a finite number there's no way to to increase it without getting into so, what we do at work too much we usually have like for a web server we actually have it's like web and then like uh, number and then like right. what it actually does like there's we actually break it down into yeah. three parts and that is and so i can look at it a, immediately and i can good know way of doing it. you know if it's dev I test think that's smart but it's really boring it's boring sure. and it doesn't well so here's why right but you we know right multiple away multiple times like as soon as you look well, at it you know right, right away you know right away you know which box it is or you know what it does mm -hmm. i should say so with right. unique cutesy we'll call them host names there you go like you know, Star Wars plants or whatever, you know, add a name. You have intimately know what box that well, is. Well, yeah. Because like, I know Holo remember. Like on my home network, I know HoloNet is my Plex. Like I know that sure. for, for a fact. Right. I know that. Right. But the problem with that is, as we've, but you as don't we've talked that. about on the show before, oh, I don't know that. Yeah. But, but again, like hostname obfuscation is done. Mm -hmm. But we're, I, I want to talk more about that a little bit in a, a little bit later. Sure. But it also doesn't help. But what I'm getting at, either. I'm sorry. Right. What I'm getting at here is the concept of pet versus cattle, and we go back to this. Oh a lot. my lord, Jesus! Jason's already getting frustrated, but it's true. It's true. Yeah, no, it is the true. The whole point Absolutely. is in order to be scalable, mm -hmm. and I hate saying that word because it makes you sound like some DevOps nut. Cyber but like scale. In, 
you do need to rent a fucking SRE. I am not secretly an SRE, but in order to effectively provide room to grow, there we go. I, I said it without saying the word scalable. In order to provide room to grow, <laughs> you, you need to have a programmatic name for your your systems, a naming system, right? Yeah. And this also yeah. this also helps with things like Salt, which uses a lot of mm-hmm. at least Minion. It assumes you're using. You can do some. Yeah, good yeah. globbing. Yeah, it right. is a lot faster. Except with Versh. Fuck you if you use well, Versh. Yeah, well, Versh is a totally different beast. But, well, you could probably do that with, like, a an external wrapper. Really sure. Easily, with just a, a Versh list all or something. But, you know, I don't want to get too much into that. Right, right, right. Because I... <laughs> that fucking bug report is still open. But, yeah, so that's my point, right? In large enterprise environments or, or large corporate environments or even small to medium businesses we want to be able to expand that namespace when needed if needed yeah. and a programmatic naming lets us do that where you have some sort of role it, it doesn't need to be any particular order but i would recommend like doing role realm unique id whether that's like some kind of well with our with our naming what, scheme like but... we know immediately whether it's local to us or it's at a remote site like i mean the way we've got mm-hmm. it like it's not perfect but it, it helps it it's perfect for our industry and like what we're doing and also i don't care how you do that i mean right. you can do that with dns right sure. you can have your own internal domain and then you or your infranet sure. domain if you will and then you can have a subdomain or a subzone mm-hmm. technically of say web and then a subzone of that for the realm and then a subzone for the actual host you know but you sure. either way you still want to have some sort of consistent naming for that host because then it's really easy to turn up new boxes and so on and so forth i spent a little bit more time on that than i wanted to but that's why i said you know like you can easily just make like i don't know a sha 512 of this actual host name for these hosts paid in that you're not allowed to map publicly right or with right. internally publicly you know right, what right, i mean right. you just sha 512 it or something mm-hmm. and that way you can still represent it on the map but you don't need to reveal any information you don't need to reveal the actual entry of it the host or whatever i get you don't need to reveal the ip i get what you're the whole saying. point well right the whole point is so you know a box is there right so you can see relations you don't need to see the role but the relations is important sure. that's the whole point of the map yeah. i get what you're saying and that's something that and if i know if it's I, had, un- I know it's not up to if you if i had yeah. remotely the ability to do that i totally would the problem is that we don't just necessarily report to someone else we report to higher agencies right. that dictate you can or cannot do this right so, right i know it's not up know. to you but no. that is Oh, it's a great for the, idea. For the listeners who might have that policy, that is a way of right. approaching it, where you one-way hash it in some form mm-hmm. and go from there. Ideally, I think that's a great idea. Personally, I think it's, it's fantastic. Yeah. You know? yeah. So, I mean, it is an, an option for you, were it up to you. but Yeah, I mean, if you know, I had control over it, absolutely, not, but... that would be something I would, I would look at doing or yeah. even do. And again, I, I want to stress, guys, like, for our listeners, hostname obfuscation or hiding hostnames is... There's no security in that. An Nmap alone on the LAN will give you all the host names. Right. So you don't, right. assuming they have NetBIOS or something. So you don't want to rely on that. That's, it's really dumb to rely on that. It, it, really, kind of it really is. Measure. It really is. Yeah. But that does bring me nicely into my next point. I was going right, to say is, that, that having, having, obviously, like having weird names doesn't do anything for you because you're going to pick those up right. immediately. 
Right, yeah. And there's still a unique point, but you need that uniqueness, even if it's obfuscated, to represent the roles and the relationship, not the roles, the relationships. And that's the whole point of a ma- of mapping this stuff out, right? And so you can see what servers are supposed to connect to what servers. So you can, mm-hmm. at a glance, see, okay, these firewalls should be in effect. These VLANs should be allowed access to these other VLANs and not these other VLANs. Right. So on and so forth. You want a visual representation you can take a quick glance at and confirm against the actual configuration. That's where this stuff for us not just for the sea levels, but for us, it becomes really useful. So that being said, let's yeah, let's let's talk about why we would want it as as well. Right. So it impresses sea levels. It helps us with our job. Sure. With configuration confirmation. Mm-hmm. Right. But it also helps when bringing new employees on because then at a glance they can see these server relationships. Yeah. Right. So they see okay. Yeah. You know. yeah. It is it is a lot easier. If- mm-hmm. It's fucking logical. Yeah. So I'm not a visual learner. I, I learn by reading. Yeah, when, but when diagrams I was brought, help me still. When I was brought on, I was explained, you know, the layout that we have, and I mean, I, mm-hmm. I picked it up right away. Like I knew almost immediately. Okay, I can't touch this box, or oh, I can't, I can't touch this box, or you know, what have you. Like right, it, it, right. Having a, a naming scheme that's that's consistent across the board is very helpful for new people. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Go ahead. And, so, and a visual representation of a visual model. Yeah. That would be nice, too, but we don't talk about that. Yeah, and, and that's really good for onboarding, right? Yep. It really shortens the thing. It is also, it gives you at a glance of your inventory. Mm-hmm. You all, I don't, I don't care how small your business is, listeners, you need to have a systems inventory, unquestionably. Mm-hmm. Because you need to know, you need to have some form of accessible format of knowing what servers serve what purpose. Because if you have a server and, you know, even if you have three servers, you're still going to think, where did I put that service? Mm-hmm. You know, assuming you're, because if you're that small where you only have three servers, you're going to be sharing service across these right. services across these servers, you know? So you need to say, okay, where did I put that? Where is that running from? You get these cron emails. It's like, do I really need to look through my mail logs to see where this came in from? Because I didn't have the host name set up properly. You know, so right. like, it saves you a lot of headaches when you have a visual inventory like that. Third, it's great for auditors. Mm-hmm. We here on the podcast love mm-hmm. having, you know, pen testing auditors come in. Not really, but sure. No, no. I, I, I mean, well, I think it is good that we encourage it to be done. I'll put it that way. We may not, we may find the experience painful. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But I think it's really important that it's still done. That will help the auditors immensely. Because sure. then you can easily clarify what is in scope, what isn't, so on and so forth. And they're going to find out anyways. So, you know, right. you're not making it any harder for them by that, by showing them the map of these systems. And then lastly, it's so much easier to phase out old servers. When you've got multiple servers, mm-hmm. like past 10, it's so much easier to just take a look and say, okay, we've had this system here and it's been there for 10 years. Now, we need to remove it. Now, let it. me ask you this. If you yeah. retire, like say you have, what's a box that you have retired recently? Like, oh, like, for instance, like you... For infrastructure, I can't even remember, I. Okay, so like, say you've got a web box. We'll just refer to like Foo and Bar. Sure, sure, sure. Know? So just you've so you've got type. box Foo. Yep. Okay, mm-hmm. retire it. Do you then label that box as Foo like EOL? Like, how do you know that it's no longer a valid system? I think. Yeah, you recycle it like a responsible person. You, re- you recycle it. You bring it out. But I mean, there is a difference between actually removing it and decommissioning it. You know, right. You're, That's what I'm trying to get. There's at. usually like, a transitory you know. period in larger setups, which is, you know, I mean, that's good. You you kind of need to give the developer, the in-house devs, time to move stuff over and all that. 
Yeah, I think largely that's up to you. If you want to have your own separate like realm for decommissioned servers and then move it there, or if you just want to rename it with a prefix or suffix or whatever, that's up to you, and that's how your management tools are set up. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's going to be a highly contextual thing, I think. Yeah, I just so I don't want to just curious. A, if I don't you, want to give a clear answer on that. Do you? Well, me I guess, personally, do, I suffix. Do you recycle? I but suffix. Did, then yeah. do you recycle it? So like you have a foo eol and then a new foo. Oh no! Once it's once I have a replacement in place and all everything's been moved over, it's gone. It's toast. Interesting. Okay. Right. Yeah. But again, you know, we don't have some of the regulations other organizations might have right. and so on and so forth. So, sure. you know, again, super contextual. Right. But if, I, I personally if your industry will apply says a, a suffix to not it. to, then definitely not to. Yeah. Like I'm I'm sure there's probably something in, in health or government that requires some sort of process. I don't know. I've never been in, in those particular industries yeah. in an operation. I've never been I've never been in financial. I'm not sure if they do that either or not. I'm sure they do. Hmm. So. Okay. Yeah, so it is it does make that whole decommissioning process and phasing out process a lot easier. Sure. Any sort of inventory system would, but especially with a visual model of it, a visual map. Now, I only have two things I can think of. Actually, can anyone else do either of you have any other reasons why it would be a good idea? I I feel like I touched upon it. It's it's just kind of inherently a good idea, you know. I really like. You, I mean, you've already pretty much said like having a good having a good system or a good naming system, what have you, is good for a lot of different things. Like you said already. Mm-hmm. I don't really want to like read it what you said. Right. I do feel like you know if if it makes sense, like it helps. But that's reiterating. I don't know that I necessarily have anything too important to add on to. Okay. I mean, we've got a whole a bunch of other yeah, stuff to get to. You've already so. hit like the basic tenets, so I just want to reiterate. Mm-hmm. I will reiterate; those are good tenets, and and I think as long as you're doing it for those reasons, you shouldn't have a problem. Obviously, yeah. if you have regulations to say not to, then I mean, you know, yeah. Don't. Like, what can you do at that point? You know, Jathan, do you have anything to add about why you would want to map these things out, diagram them? Mm, I mean, personally, what I find, I thought we would be talking more about like network diagrams, maybe. It plays into it, yeah. So you can. Uh, so yeah. that's something in particular. I don't manage my own networks. Right. Yeah, you have your own net ops. Yeah, and so in the past, though, when I've had an issue, and I was trying to figure out where this issue might be stemming from or what might be causing it, since the networks aren't really mine, still having a readily available diagram would have helped you of, out a lot. Do, do they? Well, make it that? did help me out. Oh, they, they do them. make it available. Good. Okay. Yeah, so th- I would always advocate for at least diagramming your network connections and switch configuration, or you know your it definitely makes your switch layouts. It, yeah, it makes debugging a lot easier across teams. It also, honestly, sometimes if you're going and looking physically at a you know the back of a full ass rack, mm-hmm. knowing which cables are running where mm. can really help when tracing cables. Oh yeah, yeah. If you can get your map detailed enough, your diagram detailed enough, so you know which nick is going where. Oh my gosh, yeah. it's so much easier. And, I don't know if you guys have experience with this or not, but we also do color-coded cables. I do when I have them available. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, internal networks yeah, are one color, mm-hmm. public connections are another, etc. Yep, yep. And that is also super helpful, right? Like, Yeah, and, yeah. and guys, listeners, if you don't have colored cables or if you're running out of colors, because they do make them in finite colors, and I think Cat6 is Just still... Just do colored tags or yeah, colored, colored twist tags ties or, or colored anything. Uh, colored Sharpies, you know, anything. Colored Sharpies do the plugs, I should say. Not the near the termination, but yeah. So you do still have options, but I think marking them and and or labeling in some fashion. The labeling is important, helps, but absolutely. Yeah. I think labeling but is more we're, important. We're than... we're starting to cross more into rack management now, rather than the actual visual visual representation sure. of it, which is what I wanted to focus on. Sure. I have two reasons I could think of. There might be more, but I I could only think of two where this would not be a good idea. 
You guys ready? Ready. So large environments. And we're talking like multiple, multiple cabinets. We're talking maybe hundreds of servers. So because well simply because like how many it gets are you too talking? crowded. Um, we're talking maybe hundreds of servers. Hundreds? If not thousands. So our system yeah. we're talking like Google without... Red Hat level. Okay. I mean, we have hundreds of cabinets and our our system works for us very well. Mm-hmm. Hundreds of cabs. Yeah. No kidding. What uh yeah. are you at liberty to say how many use? How many units? It's in the four digits for Oh, for total. For, no, no, no. It's in the four digits for Linux and Are you talking about rows? Oh, no, no. Hold on. I'm just trying to find out if these are like 24Us or 48Us or something. These are 48Us. These are full okay. rack, 48Us. I mean, we have so you got multiple data centers of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So then your particular organization mm-hmm. and others of that size and larger, because mm-hmm. they're out there, you know, are going to start to run into issues where it gets really hard to just... Sheer just physical dimension limitations, right? I mean, sure. you're going to have to rasterize it and print print out, like, in a, a take up a giant wall of this. And nobody wants to do that because if you change one system, which you invariably will be doing with that many systems, mm-hmm. you got to reprint, you know. So it's it gets to a point where it might not be worth it, the visual representation at least, you know, having that visual diagram. And that's a lot to keep up with because in a lot of cases, it's really hard to programly, programmatically generate that sort of diagram right you're usually you're doing it by hand and that gets super hard sure. so again i would maybe not recommend it with companies of your size just simply because that's a lot to manage and you would need like an entire team just to keep up with those changes and you'd be reprinting changes all the time so it's not really worth it we uh yeah we have not getting too detailed on sure we do have teams that handle just racking we do have teams that handle just networking we do have teams that handle just like VMware, like we have a VMware <laughs> guy that that's all he does. Right. No, I mean, you know? I mean, you would need a team specifically dedicated or even a sub team within each team specifically dedicated mm-hmm. to keeping that diagram updated, which is silly. I think that's silly. I think that's a waste of funding personally, but sure. what do I know? Right. So just something to consider might the risk benefit payoff with that or mm-hmm. the work benefit payoff of that might not be ideal for companies past a certain threshold. Probably won't, to be honest, but, you know, whatever. And then secondly, it's really, I kind of touched upon this in the last one, it's really hard to maintain for dynamic environments, right? I would venture to say, as long as you have some sort of programmatic inventory, like a database or something, in that case, no documentation is better than older obsolete information. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, then you're looking for servers that no longer exist, you can't find new servers, you know, so like... At that point, you're just going to want to query your inventory rather than trying to reference a, a diagram because it's it's just too much work for a dynamic environment. Sure. Whew. Jathan, can you think of any any other disadvantages for diagramming, or cases where you where they wouldn't be used? Jathan. Jathan. Did you did your router did fail? We lose him? Shit! Sorry, I accidentally pressed fucking. I would always advocate for for diagramming. Is what I was saying. Oh, even in the cases where it would be just an immense amount of work to keep it up. I mean, obviously, if you're doing like very dynamic infrastructure, mm-hmm. no. But yeah, if able to be done, it should be done. Is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, I can. And obviously, start as early as you can because yeah. that it makes it easier. Yeah, it's such a pain in the butt starting like 
after a year, if not, you know, decades. So, yeah, all good points, sure. Now let's talk about how we can actually do that, because there are some tools out there. I think my favorite of all, all these, for a couple of reasons, <laughs> now it's not going to give you a complete diagram, it's not even going to give you a visual diagram at all, but it's, it's great for linking into diagrams, mm-hmm. is Nmap's XML output. And we talked a little bit about that with Johnny when he was on. Because he said he, he's talking about you know parsing an Nmap output, Nmap can output XML, and it's there is a schema available for it. There a, a DTD rather, not a schema. They're functionally the same, but in a different format. And there is even uh, CSS, so you can generate XHTML from these. It's super cool. It's mm-hmm. so cool. But if you know how to interact with XML programmatically, Python and LXML are awesome. By the way, I use them a lot. It's really easy to kind of link together a diagram and these service details. So Nmap will get you things like the OS running. I mean, it has to guess, but it's a great start, right? Mm-hmm. It'll get you information about what ports are running where or what they're running and what versions, if they advertise that, so on and so forth. It gives you a lot of really useful information when you want to drill down deeper into this diagram. If you want to get information about a specific host, Nmap's XML output is great for that if you can find a way to link them together now that's not going to get you a visual diagram so there are a couple options for that the ones i know of that are free open source whatever are dia or dia i think dia that's kind of like the industry standard in the open source realm for the proprietary i'd say it's microsoft visio yeah but i've never used visio so i can't talk about it so you know whatever now, Dia, it feels a little clumsy, feels a little clunky, as some open source software does, but it's still fantastic for what it is. If you need a little bit more complexity, there's Yed or Yed. I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but that is that's Java, so it runs pretty much anywhere, I think. And that gives you a lot more advanced options with it. Right. The diagramming itself, the process itself is a little bit even more clumsy to use, but you know, once you start getting familiar with it and you have a lot more flexibility with it than you do Dia or, or Dia or however. And then one I recently found out about today was Diagramo, I think Diagramo? it's called. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Yeah. So it's a web app, and they have a hosted version that you can log into. But then they also, since it's open source, they have a version you can self-host. Ooh. There's a link to it in the show notes if, if you're Googling it, Peyton. So you can self-host, which is nice. I, I always look yep. for that because I don't like using external services. Unless I absolutely have to. No account required. I love that. Yeah, and there's that too. So you can generate a diagram, and it, it's a little bit more friendly than the two I just mentioned, mm-hmm. Daya and Yed. And then lastly, the one I know of and have used is Xfig. Now, Xfig is absolutely showing its age. But if you're looking for something Ooh, quick, dirty, yeah. and easy to use. God, that's like Windows oh, XP yeah. it's freaking office. Oh, older than that. I mean, <laughs> we're looking at like, that's how old X11 GUIs used to look. Oh, yeah, absolutely. X Toolkit or whatever it's called. So, yeah, so it is, it looks super dated. But if you're looking for something cheap and and Mm -hmm. quick to learn and easy, and you just need to throw together a really simple diagram, Xfig is going to be the one you go to. Now, Jathan, you said you had another one that you use for diagramming? Yes. Yeah, Gliffy. Gliffy. Yeah. How do you spell that? You have to do it by G I L P H Y. G-L- no, it's G-L-I-F-F-Y. It? Okay. Oh, sorry. Is it open source? Is it self-hosted? No, or? it's paid subscription, okay. web-based. Yeah, it sucks. But it is really good at right. what it does. It's okay. Visio, but it's not Visio. It's it, it's Visio website. Most notably, it's really easy to make like 
you know, 60 things in column A and 60 things in column B, and then say draw lines between okay. all of the 60 things, you know, mm-hmm. which can save a lot of time. Like, obviously, I work on compute clusters, so there's sure. a lot of things that are all very uniform. And I found that it's really quick to stand up diagrams like with yeah. those things. What I do mourn is I don't know of any diagramming systems that easily will let you programmatically do it. But again, how can you do that? Because it's a, you know, it's like a two, it's, there's no formal, it's not like a tree, right? It's a map. So a lot of it is just kind of arbitrary placement. And there's no real way to do that programmatically. So I understand like all of these, you have to do it to some level by hand. There are some tools to make it a little easier, like snapping lines to a certain point, you know, like, but at the end of the day, still got to do them by hand. Mm -hmm. So, right. Yeah, so do keep that in mind, which is why this is such a pain in the butt to actually do. Now, that's all I had to say on it. I think we covered it in as much detail as I can go into with my experience. Do either of you have anything yeah. to add to that? I don't, I don't have a lot to say. add to that either. I, I really find the tool that works for you, is what I'll say. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I've actually really found that kind of frees you up a lot. Like People have this idea that I can only be open source. I can only be closed source. Like, find what works for you and use it. So, like, if, if right. Xfig works yeah, for you over Daya, whatever, then, I mean, by all means, you know? Yeah, if you're talking about fucking diagramming, for fuck's sake, mm-hmm. like, I don't care. Do whatever you're going to actually use, because at that point, you're doing yourself a service regardless, I think. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're going to pay for something, then you need to use it. But if you find out that paying for something versus using something free is easier and better for you, then by all means, use a free thing and stop paying for the thing. You know? Yeah, pay off. If you feel more comfortable using a free thing, or if you feel like the price tag of a proprietary solution is more than the time that you would, the cost of time yeah. that you would spend learning this open source thing. You know, we don't need to explain how to determine how to use open source. You know, like, right. it's up to you, whatever. Right. I will say, for what it's worth, the general consensus in our industry seems to be Visio is the go-to. But I've never used it, so I can't well, speak to it. Well, and Visio you know? also, Visio really requires, it requires you to have it, first of all. Like, right, you sure. need to acquire it from Microsoft before you can use it. Versus some of these web-based ones, like, they're just there, you know? Right? Right. It is how the internet works. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That is how the internet works. Sure. Right, I, right. What I'm, I guess what I'm saying is, if you didn't purchase Visio with your Office subscription, you then need to go purchase it. Whereas if you want to go like download Dia or Yet or Diagramo, you can go do that, and that's not a problem. You know, like sure right. you could probably add on Visio if you want to, but how are you going to justify that to a C level who's like, you know, what? Why do you need this with the now? Shiny. You know, <laughs> right. Why didn't we need right. this when we were first buying Office? Why do you want it now? Like, what the fuck? Well, know? that's three comments like, you know, do you want shiny diagrams or, do sure. you, want, you know, whatever. Or do you want something that'll take me like three days to make? It's up to you. Right. But <laughs> yeah. So again, like, I don't personally don't want to spend too much time just telling you how to decide which one to use. Sure. I'm just trying to lay out the ones I know of and have used. Right, right, right. I don't, I don't want to so. tell people what to use either. Like, I don't care about that. If yeah. you want to use something, fucking use it. I don't give a shit. Yeah, use... You, Especially if you've got a Visio subscription, mm-hmm. so I, I hear that's Vizio the end-all be-all. Absolutely. That's what I've been hearing. Cool. So I think we can close this out, because I don't have anything else to say on it. You guys don't have anything else to say. Jathan, did you have any closing thoughts? I don't. I think you said you you didn't, right? No. Okay. Man of very many few words. You okay. are... <laughs> okay. <sighs> I don't buy that for a second. But if you... Let's say you did have some additional ideas. You had 10 ideas, and then you had another 10 ideas that you thought of. But you realize five of those ideas 
you forgot. How many ideas would you be able to share with us? Assuming these ideas are clams. Eight? Sixteen. <laughs> oh my gosh. You're ma- you're where did you learn math? Saucon Valley High School. Oh, you're you, a public school math. How did you graduate yeah. college? How did you graduate high school? At fifteen. Calculus isn't even math. Fifteen clams, Jathan, is is where I'm getting with this. Where I'm going with this. Do you share with us the clams that are greater than ten and less than twenty between fourteen and sixteen? Integer. Yeah, glad you specified. Yeah, <laughs> fifteen clams. Okay, there you go. So, I have a situation. Yes. I'm a systems administrator. I have an SSH key on my desktop. I'm still amazed work. that they don't call you the storage admin because that's like 90% of what you do. Yeah, well, it's complicated. <laughs> it's complicated. But anyway. Okay, yeah. You got an SSH key. I have key. A, you know, an SSH key that gets me into a lot of systems. Sure. You know, not necessarily like as root straight out of the gate or anything, but it gets me to a lot of systems. Why are you suddenly like five miles away? Well, the cat started chewing my fucking multimeter. <laughs> okay. Okay. So I'm killing the cat. Anyway. <laughs> Is the cat conductive? Did you check? I don't know. The Did you check the resistance pieces, of so your we'll cat? Never know now. Okay. So anyway, so reasonably, I think it's a good idea that my desktop be encrypted. Sure. With full disk encryption. Yep. That being said, my desktop oftentimes also serves as a jump box of sorts when I am not at work and something is going wrong. Uh-huh. However, if the box reboots and then I'm not at work and I need to get to work, yep. like, remotely, my desktop is now sitting at a password prompt because it's full disk encrypted. Yep. So how do I circumvent or overcome this problem? Is, Short this, uh, of sh- is this Arch? Yes. Really easily. Super easy. You, you know how? So you throw DropBear on it, and then you can SSH in to the desktop while it's still in that initialization in the init RAMFS. At the Dropbox, it'll get your BusyBox shell. Then you can manually, it's going to take a little bit of research, but then you can manually decrypt the volumes and then continue with the initialization. So how do I authenticate with DropBear? Or do I just leave it open? Because you would have to have the password to do anything else? No. Or like what? DropBear can do PubKey. I don't think I can do ED25519 yet. There's a patched version of it out How there. does it securely do PubKey, though? Because it's just small. It's, it's not stripped down. What I know, mean? but like... What do you mean, how does so it do how does it run before my OS? How does everything run before your OS? I don't all right, know. So, all right, Some all right. Kind of magic. Let, me, let me, this is a well, good, oh, a good oh, example. Oh, it's magic. So here's, here's how the, the boot process works these days in Linux, right? You've got two key components in any modern Linux system, assuming like it's a full system, because it, things get so a little wait, complicated. Is the, the solution you're proposing also acceptable for something like a Linode? Yeah, yeah, you can do it with a Linode, yeah. Anything that you can, well, here we go. So anything you can boot using its own kernel, not a host kernel, but its own kernel, which Linode does support, you can do this with. So what you would do... Not just support, but isn't it the default now? Yeah, I think so. I'm pretty sure. As of like three years ago, I think. Yeah, so it is, it will work fine with a Linode. So what you do, well, we'll we'll talk about how Linux boots. So you have a kernel and an init RAMFS. These are specified in the bootloader, right? If it's UFE, the bootloader is installed as an FE binary in the ESP, and that path is sent to the motherboard's FE vers storage, saying, okay, look in this path to start this binary. That starts Grub, for instance. Grub's configuration says, okay, here's the kernel, here's where the init RAMFS is. Do your thing. Obviously, the process varies a little bit between different bootloaders, but that's the general idea of what's happening, okay? 
Okay. Now, this kernel and in, init ramfs, this is where it gets really cool. The kernel itself is initialized by the bootloader. Right. That kernel is also passed as an argument, the path to the init ramfs. The kernel has special recognitions to know, okay, this is a compressed file system, so I need to first decompress it. It, all, it does all this in kernel. It's the coolest shit. I'm surprised you don't remember this from your Gen 2 days. No, I do. I'm okay. That's all right. That's all right. Well, you keep going. Okay. So then it decompresses the init ramfs and then it mounts it in memory. Then from memory, it initializes into that. It boots that like a normal Linux system. And then inside the init ramfs, that's where you have an init system, either systemd or sysv in it or whatever, openrc, you know, and that will go through and initialize certain components that are needed to boot the full system. So things like further hardware initialization, things like mounting the real hard drives, things, you know, all this stuff, right? I just never knew there was a fucking drop bear in it RAMFS package. I don't know if there is, but it's really easy to create init RAMFS packages in Arch for MK init RAMFS for make init RAMFS. It's really easy to create hooks or plugins or whatever they call them. Pretty sure I call them hooks. It's really easy to do. I, I, I did it once for BDisk. It's super easy. And then, you know, as we talked about a little bit earlier, I don't think we did it on air, but Arch is discussing moving to Dracut, Dracut, whatever Red Hat uses. Yeah, yeah. And that has the same sort of mechanism where you can customize the init ramfs itself. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what is loaded onto it. Because remember, it's one single file. It's just decompressed and then mounted in memory. Or two memory mounts, we'll say. Anyways, so yeah, so you can install DropAir and then include it into this init ramfs. And then as part of this boot process, you can start, I'm pretty sure all of this is in the Arch wiki, by the way. And there might be a make it in it ramfs package for this, so you don't have to do any of this yourself. There but... is at least for Debian I'm reading. I haven't gotten to Arch yet. Okay. So anyway, so, you know, you would install this drop air into the init ramfs at the time of this init ramfs generation, usually every new kernel. And then that would boot, that would start drop air before the decryption, ideally, I would hope so. And then... At that point, you would know if the decryption happened or not. I mean, you can create an additional hook, like checking the status of the mounts and stuff. And then, I don't know, hosting like a, a website that you can browse to to see the status, whatever, a telnet socket, however you want to do that. But I'm pretty sure if you know your system hasn't come up in the in five mm-hmm. minutes, oh, it's probably stuck at that prompt and it rebooted. That fucking prompt. So then you can SSH into drop air. Set up the decrypted points, mm-hmm. the mount points, mount it all up, and then can tell to continue on. It gets a little so, bit tricky because you have to fork, but whatever. Yeah. Okay, keep going. Well, you that's finished. That's it. I mean, that's it. Okay, you're done. Yeah, that's it. So let me ask you a couple of questions. Mm-hmm. I honestly didn't know this was a thing. I really thought that you were going to recommend that I have some kind of like one time use phone home device that somehow would allow me remote access. As fond as I am of overcomplification. <laughs> or overcomplication. Overcomplication. You know those overcomplications. Calm down. Overcomplication. As fun as Fucking I am about it, because I'm an engineer. Because I'm an engineer and that's what we do. Calculate? No, there's a simple way to do this. Or a simpler way, I should say. It's not inherently so, so simple. but Then, in that case, do you do this for your VPSs? I did at one point, And now I'm just like, you know what? I, I'm always around for a, a managed reboot. And if it's not... I usually get an email from Linode, for instance, so I know. Oh, but I mean, you are saying yes. You can also you still use encrypt your, your Linode root volumes now, though. Some, yeah, some of them, not all of them. Huh? So you can also I've never. Yeah, I mean, and I've always wondered about it. Do you do it for like backupsy? 
No, because that's still encrypted at rest. And, oh, and the right. Keys, so that makes sense. Right. Yeah. So it's it's not as high of a priority. All they're going to do there is just check the logs and know what hosts are connecting, which frankly, I'm not too worried about. But you can. Sure. I just didn't mm-hmm. want that IO overhead because backup is the slowest shit anyways with IO. But cheap. But cheap. Very cheap storage. Yeah. Glacier mm-hmm. is cheaper, isn't it? Or no? That's even more. So I, unless you have to actually fucking eat. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless you need to pull data. Yeah. yeah. The nice part about backups is it's, it's the same price. You get like four terabytes of bandwidth and four terabytes of storage, two terabytes nice. of storage. Something like that. It's really good specs, but it's just slow as shit, which is fine. You know, it's backups and like, it's, it's okay. Yeah. So the other option, of course, and I would recommend this over the make it RAM FS approach. If you're in like a data center environment is IP, KVM. IP KVM. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, no, I was thinking specifically about my desktop in my office. Right. Okay, yeah. So <laughs> in that case, yeah. sure. And you can also set your in at RAMFS up to VPN, back into your VPN, if you're worried about having a route in. You can have it do that, too, before Drop Air starts. So With got open a... VPN, though? I'm sorry? With open VPN? Sure, yeah. You can put anything in an in at RAMFS. You can put Python, you can run Java from your... You just have Why? to have I don't fucking know, RAM, then. You just need to have the RAM, yeah. And... Huh. The size in your ESP for the compressed image. And keep, also keep in yeah, mind, yeah. the more you add, the longer it'll take to compress that make in RAM FS, all that stuff. Yeah. But theoretically, there is no real limit. I think the kernel can set a limit. I don't know if Arch's default kernel does or not. But yeah, I mean, theoretically, there's no real hard limit on it. No. I learned something today. See, I knew this would be a good question to ask for my 15 clams. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised it was a, a serious one, honestly. But... I'm pissed off that I didn't ask you this like... Months ago, when I redid all my Linodes, because well, now they're not encrypted. <laughs> yeah, so now you got to sync all the data off, do it from the ground up, encrypt them, and then do it, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's going to be... Fucking balls. Yeah, but it's pretty cool. Now, for our listeners, if you have no experience with IPKVM, some things to keep in mind, they're super insecure, so you would want some sort of external VPN, and you want them segregated on their own VLAN. Right, ideally you'd have some kind of internal network with a jump box. But the problem with that is, again, you know, you are then relying on an additional possible point of failure. So, you know, and what happens if that server goes down? You know, like, if, if that VPN server goes down, whatever. Or if that har- network hardware goes down. Yeah. Yeah, so, again, I mean, like, we can, you can, you can play that game until, like, oh, what if the data center blows up? You know, so, like, don't, don't try. There's to, always a thing. There's always a thing. And right. we talk more about that in detail in S4E, which episode? The one about mm-hmm. load balancing? I'll put it in the show notes. Oh, that's one of the episodes, yeah. I'm pretty sure that We was also have a whole episode about backups and archives and shit. That's true. Yeah, that'd be a good one, too. But it's not really directly relevant to this remotely accessing a, a server waiting at the encryption decryption prompt. Now, again, this is Linux only. Everything else, BSDs, Windows, couldn't tell you. You're on your own for that. Sorry. But this is how you can do it with Linux and Arch specifically, obviously, with making the necessary modifications to Draycut. And I forget what Debian uses. They have their own thing. I forgot to. But they all have a very similar mechanism where it's it's ideally easy to customize. But yeah. Does that, does that answer your question? Yeah, man. I'm really happy right now. I'm stoked. Okay, cool. I actually, one time I wrote for, when I worked at Small Orange, we had a Pixie set up in our racks, which was super nice because, you know, then you can... Oh, yeah. You do right. a lot of hard, low-level stuff. I wrote, an, and it, uh, you know, between customers, we would obviously recycle the hardware for dedicated servers, and we would wipe the disks as part of the policy, you know, because we don't we don't want customers possibly getting other people's data. So what I did is I actually put, not DBAN, but the standalone rewrite of it. There's 
I can't remember the name. I'll I'll link to it in the show notes. But there's there's basically the equivalent of that, but newer. D wipe, I think. End wipe. End wipe is what End I'm wipe. thinking of. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's what you're thinking of. Great fucking utility. I just threw that on an init RAM FS and I didn't even need a boot a full system for it. And wipe secured. I didn't even need to pull a squash FS. That is fucking smart. Yeah, yeah. That's the first smart thing I've ever heard you do. Oh my god, are you kidding me? Heard me do plenty of smart things. Holy shit, he's smarter than you are. But yeah, and you can do that for a lot of other things. Like I did that with when I was developing AIFNG, which I need to get back to, and I do need a a rewrite to make it cleaner and stuff. But the Arch installer I did that runs entirely in init ram fs. Oh man, I'm just so excited to test this out now. Yeah, yeah, I'm really sad that all my Linodes are fucking not set up for it, though. Like, some things that you would definitely want to encrypt, even on a VPS, I think, would be, like, depending on what you do with your time and life, a mail server. Right. Mm -hmm. And definitely your VPN server. Sure. But, I mean, do keep in mind that because they they have access to the file system, all they need to do is just backdoor your kernel or your init RAMFS, even, and they have access. So, you know... do keep but they that still can't decrypt your root. They can if they hide a keylogger into the kernel or in it. Yes, ramifest. that is true. Yeah, that okay. So yeah, right. there, there are ways if they. Ha- but again, you know, I mean, you know, the saying: if they have physical access, you're boned, anyways. So the trick is to just not be low hanging fruit and to buy yourself some time if you are a target. So, yeah, shout out to the book Johnny mentioned by the way last time he was on. Uh, was it time based security? Time based security. Yeah. yeah. So they talk a bit about that in there where it's it's. You can't be 100% secure. It's impossible. But there are ways that to... Uh, didn't do what? <laughs> I didn't read that book. Oh, I didn't read it either. I just, this is going if anybody wants summary. to buy it for me on my Kindle, let me know. Yeah. You have a Kindle? <laughs> I can't... Sure. I have a Kindle. Dude. Yeah, I love reading yeah. on my Kindle. It's so much easier than carry around five books when you need to... Like, mm-hmm. write, like when I'm writing XML and XSD, mm-hmm. it's so easy. It's so much easier. Because I can flip between books and I don't need to carry two books that are about three inches each around with me. Yeah, so, it, I mean, it makes a lot of things easier. Now, I know that, like, the, the hip thing these days is like, oh, I, I like hard copy. You didn't, you know, I like the smell. Fuck it's like that. Don't be a fuck. Don't waste trees. You know, like, I don't, whatever. And also, it's more convenient. Like, yeah, you don't get the impressive display of a bookshelf, but fuck your impressive display. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, so definitely check out Make Init RamFS if you're on Arch, if you're doing this for Arch. If you want some documentation, I'll try and hunt down. Almost positive. There's some example of drop setting up dropware drop bearer in Arch make in RamFS to work with Lux. Lux? Lux. How do you pronounce it? Lux. 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 Yeah, I did. They, Arch actually has they have drop bear and tiny SSH examples. Drop bears. Oh, Washington yeah. I, bears. I keep forgetting tiny SSH is a thing too. Uh, what? Yeah. What'd you say? Drop Pid? bears. They're terrible. You watch yeah. out for those. Well, we're talking about I the know. embedded SSH. I know. I'm being yeah. silly. Embeddable. That's the same thing, which it's not inherently embedded. Anyways, yeah. So that is what I would suggest for you. And obviously, that's those aren't the only two options. You know, drop bear slash tiny SSH and IPKVM. But they're probably the most comfortable. Yeah. Is that? Do you feel like that answered your question? Yeah. Okay. I think I'm happy. I think the fans are going to be happy. Everybody's going to be happy. Cool. With that. We, I I feel like this was a better input, a better topic than the main topic. Yeah. Well, I do that to podcasts. I <laughs> I make them better. Oh my gosh. And you're so humble. This has been System Ministrivia. I'm Brent. I'm Jonathan. And I'm Peyton. See you around.